So the LA Kings are awesome. They're going to win the cup. They're the best team in a strong division. I don't care. The Canucks don't exist. The Golden Knights don't exist. The Kings are amazing. So that wraps up the podcast for us for tonight, right? Um, as a biased individual, can you tell us why you think the Kings are the best? Um, have you seen their amazing goaltending? Have you seen the players break out? Have you seen them absolutely demolish teams like the Montreal Canadiens? I don't think they demolish, did they? Well, not think it was pretty good, pretty much demolish. Yeah, but that's that's the Pacific road trip. Like I, I, I don't really. I feel like the those road trips don't always really. Like, the Montreal Canadiens are on the Pacific. What? No, when they go with, like on the Pacific road trip, right? When they go to. LA, San Jose, Anaheim, they play those two games. Those are tough games, you know, like it's it's not, you know like if they played a neutral site, I don't think it's a blowout, right? And I feel like they played the Kings on like a back the end of a back to back or something. And it was like Thanksgiving weekend and it was a one PM game. Like those are not fair, you know, times, I would say. All of your excuses. I will say that you sh- if you're thinking the Kings are the best, you shouldn't compare them with the Habs. Well, I'm comparing to the Habs because that's your team. Yeah, but I know the Habs are not, you know, the benchmark of saying, like, oh, this is a contender, right? Like, the Habs have been very, very lucky. I think they have, like, four regulation wins, yet they have a, not, like, a awful record. Like, I mean, in the East right now, they, like, this wild card chase, everyone's so close that I know they're bad, but they're kind of hanging on, well, like, kind of have to wait until December, but, like, if you look at, like, your Pacific, like, your Kings, right, I do agree, they kind of, like, joint, they're kind of more closer to the upper echelon than they are, you know, like, looking at a wild card spot. I will say that. Okay, if you take out the contract by of Drew Doughty, which I think he is, he's got, he doesn't, still not worth 11 million, but he's still playing extremely well, I think this team has an amazing set of contracts as well. You have Kopitar who's getting pay cut next year as he should and then you have two goals playing amazing but you get 20 what 23 million come off the books 25 22 million off the books next year this is a team primed to explode have you seen Clinton Byfield this season every year everyone's like oh when is he gonna break out when is he gonna break out this is the year this is the year I mean I I think with Byfield I I I agree they're 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 a good team um i if you're looking at what Dubois done so far, are you really saying that's a great contract though? Like that that one's the one there where I'm like, okay, I can't really agree with you on that. Oh, well, you know what? They're getting to a new system. He's figuring it out. Takes more than twenty games to figure it out. I think you at least give him half the season to figure it out. And then you have Trevor Moore, who's absolutely going off as well. Heck, even Arthur Kaliev's going off right now and he's making what, eight ninety five a year? Drew Doughty's got ten points in, in twenty games, you know? Yeah, he's, I guess, a little overpaid, but then Jordan Spence is rocking it, you know? Player. And then how do you forget their goaltending? Yeah, they're, yeah, Cam Talbot's hot right now, but he's also 10-4 and with a 2.02 and a 9.28 save percentage. I think, like you said, though, like, we're, what, like a quarter into the season? Um, like, we can't make... Well, you can kind of start making some assumptions about which teams are contenders, which teams are maybe tanky like you can make that assumption like which teams are kind of good which teams are like kind of bad but i don't think this there's not enough um data for me to 
you know, put the Kings as like, okay, these are Stanley Cup contenders. Like, I think they're still maybe a piece or two on the back end away from being like really good. Like, I, I don't think Phoenix Copley is an ideal backup still. Like, I, I think this is not the Kings' final form if you think this is their contending team, right? Like, I, I think you agree that there's still holes on this team that can be addressed and that, you know, you know, the Kings can be better, like, say, at the trade deadline. Like, they can make a trade and make this team better. They can be better, don't get me wrong, but can they at the same time? And what I mean by that is they have no money to do that. You remember, dollar in, dollar out. I don't, if you look at, okay, they have $1,900 in the cap space, but if you look at, for example, the Provorov deal for hold, carrying on an extra $2 million, I think they weren't expecting to be where they are right now. I think they were expecting that Next year, they would still be, you know, bubbling. And then in two years, that's when they spend I think that's how they structure their cap. So, yeah, sure, you know, I'm enjoying it while it lasts right now, but I'm also aware that this isn't, like you said, their final form. Now, do you think this is the this is their best chance of winning the Cup this year? No, no. Would that be next year then? Mm, I think two to three years. Like, if you look at their core, right? I think, yeah, Drew Doughty's 33. He's going to start to regress. Kopitar's going to start to regress at 33, at 36 right now. But then Dubois, 25. Fiala's 27. Dino's 30. Kempe's 27. Um, Gavrikov's 28. Anderson's 24. Right? Like, they're all either like, in their prime or about to get their prime. And then I forgot Byfield, who's 21, you know? Like, they're all either getting there or just got there. Yeah. No, I Brent only Clark ha- is 20. Had it for, yeah, I forgot Brent Clark's 20. Yeah. No, I only asked that because I, I just wonder, is there going to be enough growth from their in-prime or getting into their prime players to replace the Drew Doughty's, the Anze Kopitar's of the world? Plus, I mean, are you going to be able to find this type of quality goaltending for 2.5 million next year, right? Like, I, I, I feel like this might be the Kings' best chance. Like, you look at, like, the Pacific, probably not the strongest this season. Um, I think you're really happy that the Oilers are not doing well. And I think just in general, the Pacific is, well, just the West in general is probably the weaker conference, right? Like, I feel like if you're the Kings, you look at this and think, okay, this might be the year where I might have my best path to winning a cup. I mean, it's not guaranteed, but it's looking pretty damn good right now, right? So, like, honestly, I, I like, next year, are there going to be more teams that are going to be better than them? Like, it, it, it's an interesting, you know, discussion. But, uh, like, yeah, I do agree they're going to be better, but I just don't know, like, as a team overall, like, can they replace their goalie? Can they sign all these guys who are going to be RFAs next season to contracts that's going to keep them underneath the cap, right? Like, there's a lot of questions still. One thing that I didn't give enough credit to before that I got to start giving credit to is how the front office has been able to make some amazing trades. Like signing-wise, yeah, there's been a couple question marks. But in terms of trades, they've made pretty solid trades. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why, why are we uh, trying to talk big about the Kings? I have no idea. Why, like, why are we talking about so much about Because the Kings are great, and I always want to talk about the Kings. Oh, I, I assumed that you were leading somewhere. I will say that there is one trade that maybe they're not very happy about. 
um, Sean Dursey for a second is uh, not looking so great anymore. Yeah, that wasn't great, but it's okay. I'm living with that. I will live with that. Sean Dursey is having a career year. and You know what? Sometimes you just got to put your hands up and go, who would have guessed? I think a lot of people had thought Sean Dursey probably could have taken it. Well, I mean, Brent Clark maybe, but I think Sean Dursey was a, would have been a very good kind of replacement for Drew Daddy or could have taken the load off for Drew Daddy and uh, would have been great on this Kings team for, you know, $1.7 million. But I digress because apparently they wanted Dubois more and uh, Dubois has not looked great. If you put it, the plan is, right, have Brand Clark replace replace um, Jersey. And that takes about a year or two. Give, give it time. Brand Clark's played really well. He just needs to season. And then once Brand Clark becomes Sean Jersey, he'll then prepare him to be next to Daddy. No pressure. I would just like to say that if we look at the Dubois deal, it was basically Dubois for Gabe Velarde, Alex Alfalo, Rasmus Kupari, and Sean Jersey. Right now, it's not looking great, but I will. I agree with you. we got to wait a couple years before we can really say, was this deal worth it or not for the Kings? The first and, full season for... Sorry, I know I want to start the show proper, but the first full season of Brant Clark in the AHL, and he's a point-of-game player as a defenseman. That's all I'm saying. He's a point-of-game player. Well, again, like everything else we talk about, we're going to have to wait a couple of months, a couple of episodes before we really figure out what these players are going to be. And with that, let's start the show proper, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. So a couple of news items, I think, uh, that have quite relevant uh, to this between our last episode and this episode. Um, the hottest free agent in the market has finally signed. Uh, Patrick Kane has signed a one-year $2.75 million contract with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, also, what's your initial thoughts, and why did the Kings sign Patrick Kane? I feel like there's just going to be a lot of pressure on him that I don't know how well he's going to handle. In the sense that like he's not going to be the main focal point anymore. And I don't know, like I just feel like everyone's gonna think he's gonna come in to score like seventy points in the season, and I don't think he is. And also, it's gonna be weird watching him, like watching him like uh, play on this team. Like he's, I'm assuming he's gonna want to play first line minutes. So then my question is, does he? Re- I assume he replaces Lucas Raymond. Like, does that does that stunt his growth then? I just have a lot of question marks about this, I'll be honest with you. See, like, I do think that there is an opening in the top six for Patrick Kane. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to be with Lucas Raymond. Like, I, I think the thing with Detroit is, like, a, like, they're a good team this season, so I kind of get why they want him. But I think the key is that for... um Kane himself right like this is a team like uh, he's not at that age where I think he's like he's just there to be a locker room presence and just to be the veteran like I think he can still produce I think there is reasonable expectations for him that hey like he's not going to be like you know 90 points 100 points guy but he's going to provide you like 
good top six minutes and good top six production, just like not like an all-star level. Like I could see him taking like maybe a right, like he could probably take Robbie Fabry's spot on the second line right wing. Like if you're really worried, like if you are really chasing goal, maybe like you do put like the Cat, Larkin and Kane together for a couple of shifts if you need to. But I mean, that top line right now with Raymond has been pretty good. Like I think there's a spot for him on this team and i think that's that's the key thing like i think compared to all the other contenders like this was the one team that was doing well and has at top six minutes like available for him so he can produce at like you know a good level but i think what my issue with it is like are it seems like it's a bit of a question mark and it feels like yeah he just like he doesn't really see he's not playing for the for the money does that make sense? Like, I'm sure he probably could have gotten a larger cash deal just doing it because he enjoys it. But at the same time, it's like, oh, he's just going to take his own spot. I, I don't know. Someone just feels off with this. Maybe it's the fact that he is one of those players that, Jeffrey, you love to say, he's a lifer, kind of like how Jonathan Taves is slash was a lifer for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So it's just like any other team, it was just going to be like, there was no way of winning that one. You know what I mean? I do, but do you for, do you remember where he played last season? He played in New York. Yeah, so like I, I don't consider him a lifer anymore. I consider him like a guy that just wants to, you know, go somewhere and continue playing at a, like a high level, like just playing at a high level. And I think he still wants to win. I think he still has that drive in him. Um, I think he is kind of cup chasing, but he's not to the point where he's taking 850 and going to, you know, play with, I don't know, like Florida. Like, kind of like, I don't think he's at the Joe Thornton or Jason Spezza age where he's down to just play four flying minutes, um, set out a game here or two, and just, you know, just be that locker room president. I think he still believes that he can provide value and that which he's kind of showed like last season he it wasn't like he was a fourth line player last season he still put up decent points um he put up what was it like a total like what 21 goals 36 assists and just over like 73 games like those are decent numbers so i I, like i don't know i I think that kane eventually will actually i think kane knowing how he plays He's going to be a guy that wants to go out as like a middle six guy. Like he, I don't ever see him playing on a third line and being happy about it. This is a guy that probably has too much, has a lot of pride in his game, and knows you know he's probably one of the best American players ever to play in the NHL. Like he has a place in the history of the NHL, and I think he wants to keep building on that legacy. So I, I, it's gonna be. I think the weird thing that you're mentioning about is more like. Given the fact that he's played so many years in Chicago, now he's wearing a rival jersey in Detroit. I think that is probably what's making it weird. Did you just say that he was cup chasing in Detroit? Well, I think if you're looking at a team that's on the rise, do you not look at Detroit as a team where he could play and maybe, you know... Like, I think this year, what he's trying to prove, like, the reason why he signed a one-year deal was to prove, like, hey, 
I know I know I just had surgery, major surgery. I've just came back from rehab. I need to prove to the NHL that okay, I can still play and sign a contract somewhere else. But at the same time, I can see him be like, you know, Detroit is a good place. I want to grow with them. Um, my good buddy, the Burncats here. Like, you know, if I do well with them, hey, maybe I'll sign an extension with them in a, in the offseason, right? Like, I think he thinks that the Red Wings provide him a good opportunity both this season and in future seasons if he wanted to win another cup. Looking at this team, you actually think in a couple of years they're going to be significantly better? I don't think so, man. I think they, they can, though. Like, I, I look at this team. There's quite a young team. They're, they're, it, they've kind of gone through that rebuild phase where they've drafted a lot of prospects. And I think all those prospects are starting to come up. They're just starting to add in those free agents to kind of fill in the holes. Like, I, I, I think this team can be better. Like, if you look at this team, like, besides, I think it's their defense that probably is what you're worried about. But, like, their forward court isn't bad. Um, the less said about their goaltending is probably a good idea. But, like, I think this is a team on the rise. Um, it's just taking longer than I think what everyone thought the Eisenman plan was going to take. So, so, so wait, hold up, though. That's my point, though. There's, I'd say there's you split players in about three groups. You have your goaltending, your forward, and your defense, right? And that's pretty set three groups. You you basically just said, well, they're pretty good if you don't consider two of those three groups. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying at the NHL level right now, I think you look at their forward group, I think you're like, okay, I am happy with what they have in the forward group, and I'm happy with what's coming up the line. Defensively, I think you look at the NHL level, you're like, okay, I, I don't love it. Like, I think besides Wallman and Sider, the other four are probably just placeholders now until guys like Edvinson can come up, uh, William Wallander can come up. Like, they've got pieces that can probably come up in about two years, maybe. Um, and then you look at the goaltender, you're like, okay, if I'm looking to contend, I'm hoping this is not my defensive core. Like, I think, but like you got a guy like Sebastian Costa in the like in the back there, like like in your prospect pool. So I I think that they look at this team and they're like, okay, we can probably contend maybe in a couple years, and at that point maybe we see Patrick Kane, you know, 38, 39, maybe playing you know second line right wing power play, like that's all his job is, and maybe the Red Wings are competing for a cup because teams like. The Bruins and the Lightnings might be on the downturn, so like that would be their time to compete. Uh, like I don't know. I think this is all like I think if you're looking, at, if Kane's looking at, it, I think he's mainly looking at okay, this is a year where I need to rebuild value so that I can you know go sign a bit a good contract next next season. But at the same time, he also wants to balance winning, and I think out of the teams that were chasing him, the team this was the team that kind of gave him the right balance in giving him a good chance to show his value for his next contract, gives him a good chance of winning, and was able to pay him a decent amount of money. Do you know who was chasing him? I don't actually fully know, to be honest with you. I think there were rumors like the Panthers were involved. I think the Stars were involved. Um, someone said Toronto, which never made sense to me. But I think like Panthers were a huge team that was kind of in the like chase with him but like the Panthers didn't have cap space um I think Buffalo his hometown was also a team that was chasing him but they just haven't been to a good start so I think that kind of you know pushed Kane away like there there I think there are quite a few teams 
that at least wanted to see what it would take to get Kane. But I think in the end, Kane, you know, had his pick, right? Like he wanted to find a situation where I think he knows his role and that's, you know, PP1 and top six. And I think the only team that could offer him that role was probably Detroit. So like, I don't think people are surprised that he went to sign Detroit. I think it's just going to look weird when he plays his first game in a Red Wings uniform that's going to be a bit weird. I think, but if you look at it though, you're just like, hey, who would be a really good playoff team? The Panthers were top of the Atlantic last year. I I don't know. It's something, maybe because they're rivals as well. Something just feels off. Yeah. No, I I think it's it's the whole rivals thing. Like uh, I I think that's the reason why. Um, speaking about the the Blackhawks, they are in the news again. Not well. They they aren't in the news. I guess they're they're kind of associ- They're in the news by association. Um, Corey Perry's contract has been uh, terminated by the team. For I, I don't know what the correct wording is, but it sounds like he violated something in his contract, or he violated. Like I think just if you're just taking a general job, he violated something in his contract, and now his contract has been terminated, um, and he is no longer with the team. He has put out a statement saying that uh, he is sorry with what happened. There's not really any information about what actually happened, which I assume we'll probably never know for a little while. And that he needs, he's going to go work on himself, be with his family, and you know, you know, just try to learn and grow from, or and try to find help for what he, you know, what, whatever the incident was. Um, I, I don't know this. Why does this have to happen to Chicago again? Like, something's... It just doesn't sit well, I guess. So we do know it had something to do with alcohol. So we do know that part. But, like, what exactly, no one knows. But why does it happen to... Like, yeah, it's weird, right? Because if you look at it, it's just like... um, The whole point of bringing him in was, like, to be a mentor, right? And, the, and it was like, oh, we're going to overpay him. He's making four million a year, and the goal was he's going to be a good mentor for Bedard and the group of players he got coming up right now. Like, what? Why does this happen? No, honestly, I, I couldn't tell you why it happens, but like, it's just, it's just a shame. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, I think it, and unfortunately, I think this taints the legacy of Corey Perry. So I got a question for you. Yes. If you look at just the stats for Corey Perry, he's a Hall of Famer, right? I don't think you look at the stats. I think if you look at the awards and trophies, he would look as like a Hall of Famer. But I don't think his stats would say that he's a Hall of Famer. I think the time when he was with the Ducks, maybe he only had... like I think, I don't want to say this, but if this hadn't happened... I would say Corey Perry's jersey gets retired in Anaheim. Okay. Would that, would that does that make sense to you? That makes sense to me. I don't know if I, I have no comment whether or not I agree with it. But my next question is, given what's happened and if this is how his career ends, does he still get these accolades? I don't. Well, I mean, again, we don't know what happened, and we can't read the future and know what how is you know Corey Perry going to grow. How is he going to come back and be a better person? We don't know yet. So I think that's a crucial part of determining, you know, A, is he going to, you know, 
sign another contract. Is he going to play so hockey again? That's what I'm saying. If he doesn't sign another contract, and we never find out what happens, that's it. That's just that is the entire thing we know. Does he get Hall of Fame, Jersey retirements, whatever? I'm gonna say no to Hall of Fame. Okay, and that's based on what, what's happened or based on his production? I, I'm going to say production. I think those last couple years where he's kind of filled the fourth iron role, I think it really diminished his accounting like, stats, right? Like, uh, he's no longer, like, he, like, he's no longer, like, if he was continuing, like, a top six guy into his mid to late 30s, fine, I can understand it. But he's kind of gone into a role where he's, like, a, a depth guy, right? Like a fourth line grinder. So those stats don't like, unless he hits like, I don't know, a thousand points, maybe, but like you said, he's not there and we're making the assumption he doesn't play in the game right now. So like a, like, I don't think he's gets into hall of fame. I think that he will get his Jersey retired only because he is tied to the hip with Ryan Getzloff, and there's no way they can retire Ryan Getzloff's jersey without mentioning Corey Perry at any point. So, I mean, after this, though, like if we don't know what happens, does do like do teams you want to be associated with him? That that that's the thing. I think I think again, this is so this is too early, and what's happening i mean we've kind of just got the news about the contract termination i think we need to give this at least a year like like i think if he doesn't sign another contract or he decides to retire i think we can kind of make the assumption that okay he probably won't get a like he won't make the hall of fame and i probably agree with you and say he probably won't um get his jersey retired but i think if he comes back and improved in person like we've learned what his mistakes were and we either understand him a bit better and he's shown like improvement in himself. I think there's a chance for a Jersey retirement, but as of right now, I think it's, it's 50, 50 on the Jersey retirement and it's just a plain no for whole thing. All right. So I am actually in a terrible rush today. So let's throw in the final thoughts. Cause I actually got to go. <sighs> um, I like to say that the Montreal Canadiens are somehow still maintaining a three-goalie rotation this late into the season. Um, I don't know why or how. It's not really worked out. I really wish that they would put Caden Primo back into NHL, get him some actual playing time. Kind of like what Buffalo's doing with Devin Levi and just letting him regain his confidence, get him some regular playing time, but... I want to see how long the Habs are going to try to do this. How long are they going to keep three goalies on the roster? They did just signed Samuel Maltenblow to an extension. So, hey, Edmonton, if you want a Jake Allen, uh, we've got one right here. So uh, that's my final thought. Uh, my final thought is that the Kings are going to win the Cup. You heard it here first. Niels Hoglander is amazing. Uh, we will talk about that in two weeks. Again, because we should always talk about Niels Hoglander. Um, and... I believed in, believed in him, but no one believed in him. All right. And we'll talk to you guys in two weeks' time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.